Welcome to the Passion Behind the Art Show. It's all about diving in with individuals to learn the story behind their passion. It's your host, Daryl Pinkham. What's up? Guess what? It's another week, another amazing guest, and another opportunity for me to bring you value through someone else's story. But before we jump into this week's episode, I just want to let you know that our Patreon page is up and running, finally. And if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's basically a way to support a specific endeavor that you're interested in. And of course, the endeavor that we're talking about right now is Passion Behind the Art, the podcast. So I'd really appreciate it if you would support the podcast through our Patreon page. All you need to do is just go to passionbandart.com and look for the Patreon tab and it will take you directly to the page. This would mean the world to me and everything that I'm doing in regards to the podcast. A large percentage of what I do in regards to the podcast, as a matter of fact, all of it is free. And I would really appreciate you if you could just help support the podcast with as low as $2. Nothing too crazy. $2. And of course, there's various tiers you can support with more and the more you support, the more incentives you get. So just go to passionbanderart.com and check out our Patreon page. This would help me out a lot. There will also be a link in the show notes. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. Well, I am beyond excited to have Gia Graham on the Passion Behind the Art Show, my fellow West Indian. This is a big deal oh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's an amazing literate artist. It just, uh, I'm so excited about this. Gia, welcome. Thank you so much, Daryl. Thanks for having me. All right, so um, I caught wind of you through Good Type, my good buddy, um, Brooke Robinson. So I was so excited to have you on. Uh, let's just let's get right into it. How did your creative journey Um, Well, like most of us, I was always a creative child, always drawing, always doodling. Um, in school, I would, in secondary school, which you call high school here, I would skip classes to be in the art room working on a project <laughs> got in trouble for that a few times um so when it came to choosing a school well my art teacher at the time is the one who told me about graphic design because i figured i needed to get a quote unquote practical degree All right and so he told me i grew up about graphic design i knew that i was going to be coming to atlanta for university because i have family here and so I just started looking for schools that offered a design program. And that's kind of where it all started. Okay, cool. So you, so your teacher told you about graphic design. That's a, that's a big deal because there's so much of us that didn't find out about graphic design until we actually got into college. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was him because I can't think of who else it would possibly be. But yeah, and he, you know... It was clear that I wasn't interested in doing anything else. <laughs> so, yeah, he kind of led me on the right path with that one. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, where are you originally from? I am from Barbados. Nice. Which is an island in the Caribbean. I'm pretty sure everybody knows yes. about Barbados now <laughs> because of Rihanna. Tourist-wise, like... <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I have to... You know, there are a few who don't have any clue where it is. So, yeah, really? an island in the Caribbean. You know, I, re- I went to Barbados um, 
No, it wasn't Barbados. I haven't been to Barbados yet. I have a good friend. One of my best friends in the world is from Barbados. So, oh, good. Yeah, one of my best friends in the world is in, from Barbados. I still haven't been there yet, but I've heard so much good things. So I got to make a trip one of these days. Yes, you got to fix that, Daryl. Yeah, yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> so, all right. So now you're in the States. Um, you're going to school. Um, like, how did that transition? How did you transition from school into your like work career? How did that transition go? Well, it actually was fairly smooth. I mean, I went to school here in Atlanta. Um, I met my husband in college, and we didn't have any. Our our only plan was whoever gets a job first, that's where we're going. He got a job <laughs> first in Chicago. Okay. Because he did an internship there the year before. So we moved to Chicago, and I just hit the pavement. I mean, at the time, there were no digital portfolios. I lugged my 20-pound portfolio <laughs> with me up and down Chicago, and I just applied for jobs. You know, it was very—this is 1999, okay? So it was very different. The recession hadn't occurred. You know, yeah. design firms were hiring. Left, right, and center. And center, exactly. <laughs> so it really wasn't that hard. I think we got to Chicago maybe in June. Okay. And by September, I had been on a ton of interviews and I had gotten a job. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. So you were still in the analog stage before everything got oh, all yeah. digital on us and <laughs> yes. changed the whole game. For sure. So what was your um, specialty at that time? Then, you know, at the time I was a junior designer, so okay. all the grunt work, you know, mm -hmm. all the brochures and, you know, collateral pieces. That first job was particularly grunty. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think I had a lot of medical brochures okay. to set type for and nothing interesting <laughs> not at all. Not very exciting. No, <laughs> not at all. My second job was a little bit more... More fun, for mm -hmm. sure, and I got to stretch myself a little bit more. I worked in a design studio that was within an architecture firm. Nice. So we got to do projects with the architects. They also had interior designers there. So, like, for example, one of the clients um, that architects were building, uh, it wasn't an apartment building, but it was more like a condo building. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the architects did the design work, the interior designers, you know, picked all the finishes, and then we got to do all the collateral. So oh, nice. we would do all the brochures, all the stuff for the um, leasing office, ads, all of that. And in that job was the first time I got to art direct a photo shoot. So I did all the styling and, you know, we travel. That's when, you know, the budgets were big, so they'll <laughs> fly you wherever, you know. And I got to, I had my pick of props and, you know, we had stylists there and wardrobe and models and the whole shebang. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I really, I was fortunate that I got in at the heyday because then, we stayed in Chicago for about three years and mm -hmm. then came back to Atlanta because my husband decided to go to grad school. So we came back here and even, and of course by then I was a more experienced designer right. and at that time got to work on even bigger projects. So, mm. you know, those were the days when you did get to fly out and you did have a huge team on photo shoots and, you know, so so all of that gave me a, a lot of really good, solid um, prep for the design industry. Okay, so how did did the recession affect you guys? 
creatively at all? Um, well, actually, it didn't affect me very much. Okay. Because after, um, so when I came back to Atlanta, the firm that I was working at, I became fast friends with one of the other designers that worked there. And then we decided to go and start our own thing. Mm. So, yeah, at lunch, we would go hatch our plans. <laughs> and we started our own um, little creative venture. So at the time, we were doing wedding invitations. Okay. So weddings never go out of style. <laughs> never, ever. <laughs> There's not really much of a recession. People will go broke to have a wedding, you know? So... That worked out for me because I was able to actually write out that bubble because business continued to do well. Okay. What, not so much the recession, but what kind of, kind of changed the trajectory for that business was actually the digital side of, of design. Mm -hmm. So, so mm, 2008, 2009, that's when the big online invitation companies started to pop yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, And that made it harder for small, independent designers to compete. So that was more so what okay. kind of had an effect on me, more so than the recession. Okay, makes sense. It makes sense because it, you guys are doing something a little bit more custom and they had it like right. saturated and... Exactly, exactly. Mm, that's interesting. So did you guys keep it going or what did you guys do with it after that? Well, my partner and I had actually parted ways business-wise. We're still really good friends. Um, <clears throat> maybe three years into the business. So when I took it over, I did kind of pivot from custom to online invitations Nice. So I had a collection rather than doing one by one design, one off designs. I had a collection and I would sell online and that went really well. <clears throat> um, but, you know, like I was saying with competing with the bigger businesses, you know, they were able to have a team build a website for them where they could, you could type in your, your wording and it would mm -hmm. automatically appear on the site. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just could not compete with that. Got it. Um, so, I kept the business going, but I realized that I had to pivot to not just rely on wedding invitations because gotcha. I couldn't compete. So then I started introducing more wedding accessories. Gotcha. So like, you know, party napkins and, you know, things that were more one-off gotcha. sales. And from there, I then kind of, opened that up even more and started doing greeting cards and gift products. So eventually, I mean, I continued in business, but I left the wedding side of it behind mm -hmm. and I segued into more of a wholesale model. So I was wholesaling greeting cards and other gift products to other businesses. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So, Let's go back a little. So you you guys started this um this wedding creative venture. Like in mm -hmm. the in the beginning, like how did you guys start getting wedding clients? Like what were some of the things that you guys did? Oh, we did all kinds of things. We were <laughs> Now, let me just my I am more of an introvert. It's not that I can't talk to people, it just exhausts me. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. Gotcha. My business partner at the time, Angela, talks to 
to everybody. <laughs> so we would do, we would kind of work off each other. Gotcha. And we would go, we were really social. Like she would drag me basically <laughs> to all of these industry events. Oh. So we would go to all kinds of wedding industry events. Mm. and meet all kinds of people. So we really did networking. And networking is a word that most introverts absolutely loathe. <laughs> but that's what we did. We did a lot of networking. We met a lot of people in Atlanta. Mm. We even, because we were young and so full of confidence, we even put on our own wedding show. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we because we had met so many people, you know, we had a caterer who had a venue that we connected with and we got the venue and we got all these vendors and we put on a show and we were kind of at the center of that. So, you know, word spread, word of mouth spread. And that's mm -hmm. how we started to get, you know, clients. And because we came from a design world, right. we made ourselves look really good. You know, gotcha. we put up a website that was really polished. We, did photo shoots. One of my, one of our really good friends is an excellent photographer. So we styled, we made fake products, styled a photo shoot, and had that up. So everything, everything looked really legit and polished before we had one cent in our mm -hmm. business account. So that also helped. Okay, cool, cool. So when you guys, when you shifted, when you kind of part ways and you shifted to more wholesale type deal, like how were you getting these bigger? Um, businesses to join you on? I launched my wholesale business at the National Stationery Show in New York. Mm, got it. So I went all in. Mm. I did a big trade show from the very beginning and got a few orders. And at that trade show, I met with a sales rep and got signed to an agency. When I came back home from the trade show, I got signed to an agency right away. And yeah, that kind of just took off from the very beginning. Okay, so they were doing like the, the, the connection work. Right, uh, okay, you exactly. Were, you got to focus on the creative. Pretty much. I mean, I still reached out to a lot of stores and mm -hmm. kind of did some groundwork on my own. But for the most part, you know, it was a pretty big agency. They had about 30 reps in the mm -hmm. agency around the country. So they would, yeah, go out and sell on my behalf. So at this point, have you picked up lettering heavy yet? Not at all, because who has time for that? <laughs> so it it's funny, <clears throat> and I think I had said this to somebody else, um, that sometimes when you're running a creative business, you don't really have all that time to be all that much time to be to creative. creative. That's you know, true. that's true. So it was a constant grind, especially with wholesale. You know, your buyers are looking for new product every season. You know, you're designing a new collection every season. A lot of the times you're designing six months to a year in advance of that season. So you're constantly, constantly churning. So I didn't really have a lot of time to just, you know, doodle and sketch and, and do things that I wanted to do personally on a creative right. level. Right. So, yeah, that didn't start until... Okay, so I left the wholesale business because my second son was born prematurely mm. <clears throat> and I had to stay home with him. So I basically kind of quit everything cold turkey and I stayed home with him, which as a creative person is very difficult 
you know, to just kind of be sitting home like, all right, so what am I going to get into? <laughs> all right, the baby's fed. He's asleep. I'm losing my mind. So I had gotten, my husband bought me the iPad Pro for Christmas one of those years. And then that's when I started just kind of doodling. And it the timing was perfect because I think... That must have been Christmas of 2017 that I got the iPad, maybe. Um, and January of 2018 is when Lauren Holm started her homework challenges, right, right, homework right. challenges. And so homework was a way for me to have some direction with what to draw, what to letter. And it was really a way of me practicing you know I had no idea what I was doing I never read a book I never took a class I was just like I'm just gonna try this mm -hmm. and it was totally low pressure you know I probably had 50 Instagram followers at the time and you know I didn't feel this need to meet any standard you know right, right, so right. I just started playing with it and I started meeting people through that homework hashtag and started finding lettering classes online and started, you know, practicing more and more and more. So that's how the lettering came about is out of sheer boredom and creative frustration. <laughs> so, okay. So before your son was born, like, were you running the wholesale business full time? No yep. other job? Yes. Okay. Yes. I was doing the wholesale business full time. I already had one kid. So yeah, it was, non-stop okay that's interesting so but so from that point you had your second child you took a break from work and then you kind of developed the lettering through then yes wow yep. wow well you know <clears throat> now that i think about it there's a couple other women that i've had on here that the lettering sparked through having a child and just being home yeah because i think I want to say May de Leon is the same way for her. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've chatted with my, we have our mom to mom <laughs> talks sometimes. She gets it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. You guys are just, um, just, it, it's, it's very inspiring. And it's a, it's a very, a great story for a lot of women out there that are in this situation that you're not stuck. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You're not stuck. Absolutely. You can find ways to, you know, feed your creative desires. It's true. It's true. It's true. So what would you say was the hardest thing you had to overcome? I would say, to be honest, in terms of creativity and business, the hardest thing I had to overcome was self-doubt. Mm. And it's funny because... When I was young, I had zero self-doubt. I don't know if it was just naivete or the, you know, you have a little bit, bit of hubris that comes with being young. But I was like, I can do that. I mean, why not? But I think it was, I think the self-doubt started to build while I was home, hmm. you know, and I didn't have a specific focus. You know, I wasn't working full-time anymore. So, you know... It, it kind of opens up opportunities for you to question yourself and did you make the right decision about this or about that? And, you know, where are, is your career path going? And are you even really that good? You know, mm. so all of that starts to creep in. And 
I didn't realize that it was creeping in or building until I was I was really doubting myself. Like I, mm. it, it was full blown by the time I realized it. So like in the past six months to a year, I've really been mindful about that self-talk, you know, and just having to remind myself that, you know, you're not half bad. You can do this, you know, you got some skills. <laughs> uh, obviously, it's a constant learning experience, but, but yeah, I just have had to be more mindful about the way I speak to myself. It's funny how we creatives play these mind games with ourselves. Oh, like my we goodness. Liter- we stress ourselves out so out. much. <laughs> it's, we are our own worst enemy sometimes. It's ridiculous. And what has also helped me with that, which I think is super important, I feel like I heard this on Andy J. Pizza's Creative Pep Talk podcast, but I think he had said something on one of his episodes about having a kind of like a board of directors, sort mm-hmm. of, or... or I and so I kind of started doing that with two really close friends of mine, my pre my previous business partner and the photographer we used to work with all the time. Mm-hmm. We've become really tight over the years and we have started checking in with each other. We'll have a Skype call every month or every other month and um, almost it's not like a like patting each other on the back kind of thing, but you know, we we check in, we talk through any things that are on our mind, anything that we're struggling with creatively or in life and give each other honest feedback. And that along with my own kind of mental shift that I've been trying to do, having that support and that feedback and having somebody put a mirror up to you to show you what you've accomplished, what you're good at, what you've achieved has also been helpful. And I think that for us as creatives, a lot of the times we get kind of sucked into a vacuum of our own creative minds. That's true. And when it's going well, it's wonderful. But when we start to spiral, (laughs) we're, you know, we can go deep. So it's helpful to have people who know you well, know your history, know your story, and who are supportive of you to help pull you out of that sometimes yeah i I totally agree i totally agree i made that intentional shift in 2015 to kind of surround myself with people that understand what you're going through creatives absolutely and and it it really changes everything it does it really really does so i would encourage other creatives to to try to do that for sure yeah all right so i know you mentioned the two friends who else is in your in, in in your um supportive circle my husband is a huge support. Mm. You know, we are very yin and yang. He is, you know, math brain, <laughs> logical, you know. So he, when I'm over here, like, bleh, you know, freaking out about something, he is really good at helping to ground me. Nice. So, so yeah, he's a massive support to me, for that's, sure. Uh, that's good. That's good. That is so awesome. It's good when... um. Your spouse is there for you. It's a very yes. important deal because you, you, this creative journey can be so lonely at times. Oh, yes. And so volatile. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> there are no guarantees. 
things could be real high and things could be real low. So having somebody who gets it and doesn't put additional pressure is is a huge plus. So what what would you say was um, a thing that kind of, I guess, gave you like a boost when it comes to popularity in regards to the lettering arena? Um, I probably all of the Instagram challenges, mm. you know, all the various hashtags, there's good type, there's homework, you know, that's where I started to meet more people and connect with more people. Okay, cool. And the more people I connected with, you know, if they like their, your work, they share your work and it just kind of, you know, builds from there. So, but I think that, that being kind of part of a niche with the lettering online um, was definitely a big help. And I've seen kind of opportunities come through that. That's nice. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. So let's get to some um, fun questions. What is that thing that you can't live without that's not your phone? Um, carbohydrates. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I don't have a, a like a, a physical thing okay. that I can't live without. But I would say, and it, it probably sounds cliche, but it's true. I can't live without creativity i Mm. i found that when i step away from it for too long Mm, interesting i get kind of cranky you know i get antsy and when i allow myself the space to do something creative every day i've realized that it grounds me it calms me you know it gives it puts me in a really good headspace so i would say the thing that i can't live without is creativity in whatever form I choose to pursue it. Nice. I like that. I like that. I like that. Book recommendations. What are some of your top books? Uh, Well, let me just clarify by saying that I haven't read a book with my eyeballs (laughs) in seven years. My oldest son is seven years old because that's a luxury. So I listen, but I do listen to a ton of audiobooks, tons of audiobooks. Um, the one that stuck with me, I would say, the longest is The Alchemist. Okay. I've heard so much. I got I to gotta take it on. I've heard so oh, much about it. Oh, you have definitely should read it. It's really more of a parable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, that one stuck with me the most. Nice, nice, nice. I got to check it out. I've heard so many people talk about The Alchemist. It's a good one. All right, so what's the first hour of GS Day like? Well... I have children, so I get up at the crack of dawn. It's funny. I'm a morning person who doesn't like to get up early. <laughs> like, ding, I'm ding, mo- ding. We have a first. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like, I'm most productive in the morning, you know, but getting out of the bed is oh, a struggle. It's rough. <laughs> so my alarm goes off at 530. So... The first few minutes of that is willing myself <laughs> to get out of bed. I like my <laughs> wife. I like my wife. Once I'm up, though, I I usually will work out. Nice. And then take a few minutes after my workout and just kind of stretch and kind of enjoy the silence, almost kind of a mini meditation, because mm-hmm. this is the only time of day that my house is silent. 
And um, then I take a shower and get dressed. And by 6.30, it's time to get my kids up. And there goes calm. <laughs> you know, then we're into the day solidly. So, go, go, yeah. go, 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 go. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's cool, though. I like that. I like that. That's um, pretty awesome because, yeah, I understand, like, that's that getting up early is like the only time. It's either you get up early or you stay up way later than after everyone goes to bed. Those yeah. are the only time you guys have. It's true. And I, I don't do well with staying out late. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I am not as focused and, you know, so early works better for me. And because, you know, it takes a while for my machine to get going, like I've always been like that. My college roommates, we would joke about the fact that we would walk around and just grunt at each other before <laughs> 9 a.m. So it takes me a while to get going. So for me, I'd, it's better for me to get up early so that I could have that time to myself and kind of ease into the day. Because, like, for example, on the weekends, there's a child jumping on my bed or coming into the room at 6.30 in the morning, and it's like, whoa! And so to kind of be thrown into the day like that is a little jarring for me. So as much as I don't like to get up early, I I do it so that I can kind of just slowly ease myself into the day. Man, that is so good, though, because you get up and then you go work out and then you get the day ready. Like you are already conquering the day, just working (laughs) out. That's how I feel. Anytime I've gotten up and I've worked out and by... 7 a.m. like I've done some things I'm like yes let's do this <laughs> I got this thing let's do it <laughs> oh that is so cool that is so cool so what is next for you what's next for me um I would like to from well my first priority is to whatever I do, it needs to be flexible, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't want to get back into anything that, like, I'm beholden to a certain schedule because it's just too hard when you have kids, you know? Things come up. They get sick. They, you know, they have summer holidays. They have spring break. They have midwinter break, you know? Mm -hmm. So I need flexibility. So I think that what I want to pursue more of is licensing opportunities. Nice. So that I can work on my own schedule and, you know, somebody else can handle production and sales and all of that. Have you started into it Yeah, I'm doing a little bit of that now. I have one or two partners that I work with. And so I'll take on work here and there. Maybe, like, every couple of months I'll have a project that I'm working on because I'm still working part-time because my toddler isn't in school full-time yet. He's only in school three days a week right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of intentionally keeping the licensing small because that's what I can handle at the moment. But I want to pursue more of that once he is in school next year and even branch out. Like right now, the licensing that I do is more specific to the greeting card and stationary industry. So I would like to, moving forward, branch out even more and do some licensing, some surface design licensing, you know, because that will open up opportunities in, you know, textiles, housewares, gift products, and so on. So more patterns, 
continuing with the lettering and, and, and design work. So yeah, more of that, more licensing opportunities. So for those who don't have no idea what licensing is, what is that? So licensing is when you, the designer, creates artwork that you then allow a large company to essentially borrow. So you retain the copyright, you retain ownership of that work, but that company will sign a contract with you to use your artwork for a specific time frame. That could be a year, it could be three years, five years, it could be in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whatever products they sell with your design on it, you then will more often than not make a commission. Sometimes, you know, you can license art to somebody and they they basically give you a one-time fee for that. But more often than not, you have royalties involved. So they will sell, you know, X number of that product and you will get X percentage of the sales. Okay. Okay. So what's, how do, what's some of the ways how you went about like getting connected with uh, companies? Um, well, because I only have a couple of, of people that I work with now, both of those have come, well, one approached me gotcha. when I was doing my wholesaling. Okay, gotcha. They found me through my wholesale line. And um, the other one I, I was connected with via a friend in, in, in the industry, another okay. designer who works with them. And, and she was like, yeah, I think your work would be a good fit for them. And she she introduced me to their acquisitions person. Okay. So. Yeah, connections, connections, connections. Very helpful. Is there anything specific that someone would need to have to like want to do if, say, they want to, they hear this and they want to go into it, doing it? Like, is there anything specific that they need to have or anything like that? Well, I think <coughs> baseline. I think you need a portfolio. You right. need to have a way to show people your work, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be work that has been licensed before or sold before. You know, you could just kind of mock something up that doesn't exist, kind of create, you know, a product that that kind of is in line with whatever kind of licensing that you want to do. So if you want to do licensing for greeting cards, you know, you can kind of create a a mock collection. Nice. And once people, because that's basically what people need to see people who are looking for artists to license from, they want to see your work. They want to see what your style is, you know? And so, yeah, I think that at minimum is really the most you'd need to get started. Okay. Totally get it. Totally get it. That sounds good. Well, I'm so glad you you did this. I'm so glad to have you on. Thank Um, you. I'm so glad uh, that you invited me. Thank you for that. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, So where can people go to find you, learn more about you? Um, On Instagram, my handle is IamGiaGram. I-A-M-G-I-A-G-R-A-H-A-M. And my website is Giagram.com. So those are the two places that I am most found online. Well, Gia, I am beyond excited to have you on here. This was just so much fun. It was glad to know you, and it's crazy. We're like right in the like right around the corner from each other. I it's know, crazy. I know. <laughs> we'll have to have a coffee or something one of these days. Oh, for sure, for sure. But for now, I'm gonna let you go, Gia. Thank you so much. Thank you, Daryl. Have a great day.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's been super valuable to you and you're now ready to take your audience building, your community growing to the next level to help you and help me build our empire, for lack of a better word, or just to build our thing. Um, Remember to stop by iTunes, Passion Behind the Art, and leave a review and subscribe. It's very important to me. It helps the podcast grow, and it makes me feel good to kind of hear from you guys, to know what you like about this podcast, what it's done for you. So jump on iTunes and subscribe and leave a review, Passion Behind the Art. Be blessed.